This is Jordan, and you're listening to the Code 7 Podcast Network. Warning. This episode contains the three A's of podcasting. Adult content, adult language, and awesomeness. You've been warned. Welcome to Within the Trenches, true stories from the 911 dispatchers who live them. Good evening, this is Ricardo with the Code 7 Podcast Network, and this is going to be episode 149 of Within the Trenches. And this episode, along with all the others, are supported by InDigital, a leader in next-gen core services. Now, I just got back literally today from Lansing, Michigan. I was there uh, all this past week for... Uh, the 2017 Michigan Nina Conference. We were at the Crown Plaza, and I had a, a lot going on that week. It was good to see people that, you know, that I used to work with when I was in dispatch in, in Allegan, you know, uh, dispatchers from the surrounding counties, and just to catch up with them and uh, go to a few classes. And of course, you know, I had to set up for the vendor hall and uh, do some demos on text for 911 and such, and and just you know, meeting people coming up. It was it was really good to be there for the week. It was. It was also draining. Um, a lot of people don't know this. I mean, you know, going through the entire week being at uh, at a conference, it's, it's always fun, but it's a little different now that I'm on this side. Because before, you know, as I was saying, I, I would be there with all the people that, that I know, all, all the other dispatchers, and uh, we would network, of course, but we'd go to classes together, go to lunch and all this other stuff. But now, now that I'm on the other side, um, it's, it's different because there's so much, there's so much other things. I'm, I'm now sitting in the lobby, you know, talking to customers and potential customers and then taking them out to dinners and such. And, you know, just really trying to, um, you know, tell them everything that I am doing at the company that I work for, which is in digital and, uh, you know, all the good things that they're coming up with NG and next gen core services and such. So it's, it's a lot different now on the other side. So even though it was a lot of fun, it was a little weird, uh, because I realized that I'm not, I'm not in that spot anymore, which kind of sucks because I do miss it. However, I don't miss the crazy hours <laughs> and the amount of stress that comes with it. But I do miss, you know, being in that room with my, with my coworkers and, you know, my, my second family, but it was good either way. I, I got a chance to uh, meet up with Adam Tim of the healthy dispatcher yesterday. We recorded episode 148. Uh, today's the 25th Thursday. So tomorrow, the 26th Friday, I'll be uh, posting that episode up. Um, it was an excellent episode. It's just over an hour long, um, but a lot of information in there. And, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, dispatcher stress and, and how to, you know, get away from that. And, you know, how do we, uh, keep, you know, the percentage of uh, the retention rate down and such. And it's, it's just an excellent episode. There's not enough, uh, you know, good stuff that I can say about it. So make sure to check it out. Again, it's going to be episode 148 and it drops tomorrow, Friday, May 26th with Adam Tim of the Healthy Dispatcher. Um, also, the podcast is going to be in Texas next week. I'm going to be flying out June 2nd and I'll be there through the week in San Antonio, Texas for the National Nina Conference. And Make sure to head out to the Expo Hall and see us, uh, the Indigital booth. I believe it's booth 123. Uh, I'm going to have to look at that for sure because now I'm really, I'm just guessing at this point because <laughs> it's, I, I don't remember, but I, I think it is, episode, or um, I'm sorry, booth uh, number 123 
We're going to be there. We're going to have three stations set up showing Texter 911, um, our backup phone system, as well as a project that we have going with Rapid SOS on location accuracy. And it's it's going to be good shit. So make sure to get out there and check it out. I'm also going to be in that booth and uh, doing the podcast right from there. So again, check us out. And there's going to be a lot of episodes recorded and it's going to be a good time. Now for my guest tonight, and I say tonight because it's 1051 Eastern time. And, uh, you know, I have been, I, I got a new laptop. I got a new MacBook Pro and this SOB has different USB connectors. And my guest is laughing in the background because we were talking about this earlier and you know, I'm going to introduce her and then we're going to talk about that and then tell, uh, talk about her 911 story. So my guest today is Jen and she's a telecommunicator out of an agency in Illinois. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm laughing only because you reminded me of the time that you're up and I feel bad because you just said that you were drained. Oh and yes. I, <laughs> now, of course I feel guilty. I know. How dare you? How dare you keep me up so late? Now, I man, I used to work midnights all the time, and that was my favorite shift. So even though I'm drained, the crazy thing is that I can't get away from from staying up late. Like I, I will, I'll have dinner with my family, and sometimes we we eat late. Um, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock sometimes for dinner, and I'll get crazy tired while I'm sitting on on the couch. And my wife will say, let's watch some Dateline or something. I'm like, all right, because I love Dateline. And, you know, those true crime stories, I love that shit. And I'll start dozing off as I'm there. And then sometimes I'll, I'll wake up and she's gone. <laughs> yeah, I, my sister has like a joke now because she will snap pictures of me because I will fall asleep at any time, any day, if I am ever given a chance to fall asleep somewhere. Sleep is fun. It's good. Yeah. Best. <laughs> it is. But then, yeah. you know, after I, I crash out for that time, I will I'll wake up and I'm there awake until one or two in the morning. And then I wake up at six. Sometimes yeah. I wake up at a quarter to six and I have no idea why my body is is like, all right, man, let's go. Let's get going again. Sleep. I can't sleep if I want to function at all on my shift. I have to get like only five to six hours. If I get anything more than that, at 6 a.m. when I get off, I am absolutely miserably tired. Uh, I am right there yeah. with you. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't do more than about five hours. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm the exact same way. If I get more, there was one time that I got about eight hours of sleep and I felt like hell. I felt like I was hung over. That's how bad it was. It's like I if I get eight hours, I want to sleep for the rest of my life. I'm like, I'll stay here forever. Right. Yeah. Anyway. It's freaking crazy. Yeah. I don't understand it, but it's fine. Yeah. So, you know, you and I have been talking for a while here now and trying to uh, get an episode going, but either you were working on a time that I was doing something, uh, we just kept getting uh, mixed there, but I'm glad we're finally getting on here because just from... Just from the little bit of talking that we were doing before we started recording here, I knew this was going to be fun. We were already laughing. So this is going to be good. I like to have a good time, man. I've only been on for four years as a telecommunicator. So I still, I think I still have that. Um, I still have that knack for finding the happiness and the, and the jokes and things. And I think some people lose that. And it's something that I 
I, I never want to lose that. Right. Is that like joy? Right. It. Exactly. So, so, uh, so, okay. So you've been uh, doing it for four years. How did you get started with it to begin with? Um, I, it was like a fate situation, really. I, I don't want to like bore people with my life story, but I kind of had a rough, um, couple years after I graduated college, I went for psych in theater and I ended up just majoring in theater because I couldn't write in the APA style that psychologists write in. I just was not good at it. I was really good at the test taking, really good at, you know, my teacher was like, you should be a counselor, but I just couldn't get the psych portion of it. So I ended up just um, putting my major down to uh, theater and I went to Augustana College in the Quad Cities and um, never had any run-ins with police, like at all in my whole entire life. They, it was never on my radar, never had to call 911. I grew up in the area that I actually dispatch now, but I've never ever thought of doing this in my life. And I graduated, kind of went through some um, slightly rebellious years because of a failed relationship and, and got pregnant with my son. And I moved back home from being in Florida. And then I was in the suburbs of Chicago. And I moved back into my hometown because that's where my family was. That was where I could give the best life for my child that I chose to have. And um, I was working in a restaurant and I ran into a buddy that I grew up with since childhood, mm -hmm. since first grade. Hadn't seen him in years. I mean, since I graduated high school and I graduated in 2006. And so, um, ran into him and his wife and he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm just trying to figure <laughs> out what to do. You know what I mean? Right, he's like, yeah. being like, you're so smart and you're talented. And, and he's like, you know what? He's like, we're hiring at our center. And he's like, I really think that you can do it. And he had just found out I had a son and so he said, there's great benefits. It's a great job. I think you can do it if you can make it through training. And so I applied and the rest is history. I applied and I trained and, and, um, and I'm there, I'm there four years in August and it's been such a blessing to my life. You know, and, so, and that's all it takes is that chance meeting. So that's pretty yeah. awesome that it, they went down like that. I would have never, you know, they put it up on your government sites, right? In every city and every town, I would have never thought to look there for a job. I mm -hmm. would have never. So it was really just like, my life is a lot of fateful experiences. It kind of runs like that. And I think some people don't believe in that, but I've had enough happen that way that I really feel like I was made to do this at this time in my life. And it's taught me so much about myself and the world and um, and the training period and having a job that's not that servers or anything isn't a career because people make it a career, but, mm -hmm. um, the interview process and the training process, we train at our center now, 18 months. Oh man. Probation period for 18 months. And when I started training, you know, four years ago, it was only a year. Um, so it, it's been, it's been a proud, proud experience for my family and me. And I can't say enough about, I guess what I do, you know, and what other people do that listen to this podcast. So 
So what was it like then for you when you first started? Because you didn't have any any type of public safety experience, right? You didn't have, uh, or did you have any family members that told you about it? Or uh, did you go in fully green? I, I went in fully not knowing anything. Like I said, nothing about police. I have no family members that are police officers. I My mom had a friend um, when I was growing up that was a dispatcher for the same center. She's no longer there, but... I didn't even put those two and two together. You know, I remember when I was little, I was thinking like, that's a cool job. But it totally from that point on, when I grew up, I had no experience whatsoever besides speaking um, or not being afraid to speak to people. That's really the only experience I had as like a extroverted theater major. Like the only thing I went into there knowing is like, I'm comfortable speaking to strangers on a phone. Right. Right. And And, and that's good. And common sense. That's always good. Sure. Sure. And I felt like I was a rational thinking person, but at the same time, I had the psych background too. So it was like, in a way, going into it, those first like call taking experience, we call, we train on call taking. I can't even tell you really how long anymore because they've switched up the training um, methods lately, but we trained for a few months on phones. It wasn't like I've, I've heard other things where people, you know, listen to a call taker, a senior dispatcher, and, and they just go on the phone the next time. That wasn't like what it was for me. So I listened for a couple of days and then they kind of ease you into it. And they really, um, with the, the studying, they really forced that, like where, who, win weapons Mm -hmm. type of deal. So that's really what they push. And they want you to understand that. And me coming from like my psych background, it was very hard for me for a while. I was really good at the beginning. And then I started to overthink things. And so it was like, I was sort of getting detective, like detective question, you know, like I wanted to know details of the calls. And I, I think that's what people forget when they're listening to call takers or they're listening to 911 calls. They're like, why is that person not being more personal? Or why is, because we get the facts. Right. And hard for me for a long time is like, we don't necessarily care why this happened. We need to know what, what is happening. Mm-hmm. Where are the, you know, so it, that was hard for me for a while. So um, did you sit in the dispatch center at all before you went in for the interview? Did they say, you know, we want you to come in and do, you know, sit with have, our dispatchers for a couple hours or something? They did have an open house and um, I, did, I went to the open house, but I didn't sit. They kind of like let you see like a zoo, you know, they let you like look uh, at them. The fishbowl, eh? <laughs> Right. Or, you know, I, I had looked at maybe like YouTube, like 911 calls, maybe to see like, okay, could I do this? But really, I just, um, I I really went in like, all right, let's just do this. Like, let's just try this out. Yeah. Oh man. So, so then you, you just jump right in and, uh, you know, you, you, how about when you first walked in and you saw all those screens and everything, were you in, intimidated at all? Or did you think, Oh shit, let's do this. I, I'm, I'm ready. I want to get started training. Well, you, I wanted to get started, but as a lot of people know, 
a lot of dispatchers are a type personalities. So, um, that was all very intimidating to me. I knew a couple people there. Coincidentally, again, I knew a couple people that worked there. And so they tried to make it feel very comfortable for me without making me feel too comfortable. And I think that's important because if you get too chummy, you don't, you forget what you're there for. And so they're very professional in my center with the, um, the newbies. And, um, so when I walked in, I saw how many call taking pods there were. We have fire dispatchers in the same room as we do. Um, we're all in the same room. And so we're kind of separated. We can kind of yell at each other if we need to for information, but we do use intercoms. And so just hearing like the, the overlapping of noise, I should say was the most intimidating thing. And like hearing the the call takers try to take control of callers or it really kind of revved me up, but it was incredibly intimidating because you're dealing with somebody's life or death situation. And at one point I call, I think I called my mom and I'm like, dude, I don't know if I can do this because that's <laughs> a lot, right? Because it's like a lot of it's a lot of pressure to always hear the address right or always hear. And so those are tools that you learn, you know, ask if it's, if they say 15th street, ask if it's one five or one six. Exactly. Yeah. And so those things at first were just, I mean, I didn't even, as much as I grew up in my town, I grew up in like a smaller town to the North of it. And I didn't know the streets like other people did. I didn't know um, directions of avenues as as apart from streets. Our city is divided by a river completely. So it's west side and east side. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't even know like where some restaurants were located or this, that, or the other thing. And so I had to learn really mapping too. And so all of those things were incredibly intimidating to me because I'm not going to brag, but I did not do well in elementary school and high school when I had to like know where countries were and know where (laughs) states were. And so all of those things were very, very hard for me. Yeah. And and those are big things, too, because I remember when I started and I went in there and, you know, they they show us the map first. And in my county, when I was in there for, you know, Allegan County, all of our avenues were east and west. And all of our streets were north and south. So it was kind of easy uh, in that sense to figure out, you know, different locations. But I grew up in that county, but I grew up on the west side of the county. So the east side of the county, when someone would tell me, you know, I'm over here on the east side in the city of whatever, and I'm by so-and-so's place. And I'd say, well, I don't know where so-and-so's place is. And they'd say, well, aren't you from the area? And I'd say, yeah, I'm from the area. I'm on the west side, though. And uh, they would say, well... Okay. And you know, then they would continue going on, but there was a lot of stuff like that, that I had to learn uh, myself and some of the terminology as well. And I, I say terminology, but this is more just like straight up uh, slang uh, in different cities. And not every city has this name. And and you can tell me if you heard it, but the cop shop. Mm -mm. So I had never heard that one before. And uh, there was a guy who called in 
And he said, uh, I need to speak to somebody. To, I need somebody to come out because my car was vandalized. Um, and I, I ended up uh, taking it to the cop shop. I'm just right outside the cop shop. But he was saying it real fast. So all I heard was cop shop. And I said, Where, the, the what? And he says, the cop shop. And I said, did you say the cop shop? And he goes, yeah, yeah, man, you know, the cop shop. And I, I said, because I still didn't understand what he was saying. I said, is this a new uh, business? Or is this a new building? And he goes, what? And I, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know what the cop shop is. And he goes, the cop shop. And I said, oh, you mean the police department? And he goes, yeah, I'm standing right out in front of it, man. Have you never heard that before? And I said, obviously not, sir. So I'll get somebody to meet you at the cop shop. And I said there, it back to him. <laughs> there is nothing like a caller making you feel like an idiot, right? Like, right, exactly. I our our city is like po- the population of it is like one hundred and fifty three thousand people, mm-hmm. and um and we get like a hundred approximately. This is approximately like one hundred and forty six thousand calls a year, which is like four hundred calls a day. Mm-hmm. And so, like in a in a it's a big city. Um. I will, I'll tell you, like, we were, as much as I don't want to, like, say what city we are, they'll probably, people can figure, I mean, we're named, like, one of the top 10 on Forbes most, like, dangerous cities per capita. Oh, man. Um, We are one of the highest paid centers, I think, in the nation, is what we just learned. Um, And, you know, like I said, I, I grew up there, but I didn't. I didn't really know what my top, my city was like. I grew up in a very like smaller area of it. Um, When I went on a ride along for the first time with officers, which is what they do while you're in like the first phase of phones, Mm -hmm. phone training. um, I had no idea that there were projects like there are in my town, um, which there are, specific ones and you know them by you know by this time you know exactly what people are saying when they say such and such project or whatever but I had no idea that people had sheets on their windows and so um there are a lot of things like like you said terminology like falling out he fell out he fell out I had no idea (laughs) like what that meant and when you're first on phones and, and, you know, I think it's funny for trainers to let new people like sound like idiots because they didn't tell me those things. It's not like they like gave you a like heads up, like they're going to say these things. So I remember when I first took a call for somebody quote unquote falling out, mm-hmm. I said, well, what did they fall out of? <laughs> and I couldn't get past it. And they were like, no, they fell out. They fell out. And I'm like, okay, what did, and I got frustrated and I was like, what did they fall out of? And they're like, no, they fell out. And somebody overheard me and they're like, that means pass out. That means they passed out. <laughs> I was like, why didn't anybody tell me this? Right. Now I look dumb, dumb. Yeah. Egg on your face. Yep. Me. Okay, ma'am. Are they breathing? You know, on with the call. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting like boo-boo do you know have you ever heard what boo-boo is boo-boo 
like a like an owie <laughs> you'd think so but <laughs> i ever said 911 where's your emergency and they're like i need an i need an ambulance at such and such address and i was like okay what's going on with you there i got a lot of boo boo and i was like i don't know what that is and i straight up just said that i was like i don't like you have a boo boo like you're hurt and they're like no like runny boo boo they were talking about diarrhea oh my gosh that, see i would have never thought that because the the only other thing that i was thinking is like my boo you know my my girl or something you know <laughs> my boo or my boo boo <laughs> so this is diarrhea <laughs> It's poop. That's what some people call poop, apparently, is wow. poop. Interesting. So now I use it. Please tell me that you gave out that medical as 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 that. I don't well, I don't dispatch fire. Oh, that's I, right. I do strictly police. So um I put out if if and if a caller ever says anything that I think is ticket worthy, funny. I always, always put it in quotes. Oh, of course. Don't get in trouble. <laughs> so I did say, like, I said, I, I believe I said on this particular ticket, I said, caller states they have runny boo-boo, which is my understanding <laughs> as diarrhea. <laughs> the threes. <laughs> and, so, and so I think that I, it depends what dispatcher, obviously fire dispatcher is on. Some of them will say it. Some of them won't. I think that she just said like, um, she had, you know, diarrhea, which was upsetting, <laughs> but whatever. You know, I, I would never miss an opportunity to say something funny over the radio or especially if I'm, I'm taking a call with a, you know, disorderly subject or something or a, a domestic that's verbal only and they're, they're swearing and they're saying all this stuff. I I put it in the narrative. And I remember uh, in the beginning, one of the one of my supervisors said, how come you put everything in the narrative? And I said, because if if for some reason I end up getting subpoenaed for this damn call, I want them to know that I was doing my job and putting everything in there. And shit, who knows? Maybe it'll end up helping them out in their case. So I would put it in there. But, you know, I explained it, but I also explained it while laughing and with a smile because right. it, it was funny. <laughs> there are, I mean, we, it's a, it's a, that whole thing is a slippery, slippery slope, right? Is like the dispatching portion of those calls because like the funny calls that you can quote, I recently got in trouble. <laughs> I didn't get tr in trouble. I got talked to um, because one of the uh, frequent flyers, I guess I should say, um, she has some um, psych issues. She called in and she was saying, uh, she was singing to us, I want to dance with somebody, you know? And she was like singing it in the phone and I was on dispatch and I had to dispatch the call. Yeah. And so Taker had put in quotes, she's singing with somebody who loves me. And I was, I pull up the ticket, I pull up the call. I'm like, all right, Jen. How can we get away with this <laughs> without <laughs> fully singing it? Right. So I like sang talked it. And sure enough, I got talked to by because one of the sergeants heard it and they're like, you know, I know it's fun and Jen's fun, but we really shouldn't be doing that on the air. And it stinks, right? Because you're like, it's late at night. And right, of just, course. Uh, 
So we have a, a new chief actually in the last couple of years who's incredible. Um, and he's an incredible guy, but he's he comes from a city, he comes from a suburb in Chicago um, that they have a lot of short traffic mm-hmm. on the air. They don't, he, he doesn't like a lot of long narratives. He doesn't like, he doesn't understand unless we're just saying like they have, you know, a knife. He doesn't like a lot of traffic on his air. So we've had to tighten up some things in recent, which is easy <laughs> for me unless I have an open mic. So Oh, the open mic, the dreaded open mic. But it, it makes for a fun shift though if you got an open mic, especially if you're talking smack. I had a I had a couple uh cool. coworkers that were talking about different whiskeys. And, uh, they had an open mic and they didn't know, and it was open for a long time. And finally somebody called up and said, uh, you want to tell those guys that, uh, this is the best whiskey, first of all, and you've got an open mic. (laughs) I, we always, we always catch them pretty quick. I've had a few open mics, um, on dispatch, which again is a whole different beast of training. Um, but I've had a few open mics where I've sworn um, I was, have you ever seen the video and some people probably have, but it's a video where like they, they're showing how babies, you can teach them to flip over if they fall in a pool. <laughs> uh, so, I don't think I have. So let me paint the picture. They have this little toddler, like maybe one year old or two year old, mm-hmm. not even two years old. Okay. Can't talk. It's like walking out of the sliding screen door and it quote unquote, like you can picture it falls into the pool. So you see this baby fall into a pool and then it flips on its backside and it just like floats there. And so this is a way that people teach babies. If they fall into pool, they teach them at an early age to like save themselves and just float there. And then, so I was showing a coworker this video and I was on the dispatch channel where we run um, warrants and um plates and you know we have a third we have a separate channel for all of that traffic um and because i guess that's how busy we are i've talked to other dispatchers they're like you have a channel just to run people i'm like yes (laughs) well yeah we did too we called it the lean channel so anyway i'm telling i'm showing this co-work this video and i was like i can say the f word right of course I, I was, <laughs> was showing this coworker this video and I was like, like a, like a stoner, my voice, I was like, look at this baby. This baby's just fucking chilling here and like, <laughs> the whole time. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. They're like, Jenny, I have an open mic. And they know it's me. I'm the loudest person in the center. <laughs> I'm the only one that would be like, this baby's fucking chilling. <laughs> so it was like the most embarrassing thing. And then I had another open mic where I was working the West side and every officer, it was like when our night officers were coming in. So they were saying like, um, uh, Baker two, four is 1041 with a camera. And so they kept calling off though. So it's like two, five, I've got a camera. I'm 41 with a camera. All these officers were calling off. I get an, <laughs> My mic flips open for some reason, and I go, like Oprah, everybody's got a camera. <laughs> so 
and <laughs> of course, then your messages light up, right? You're just like getting all these messages. People are like, man, Jen, you should really try out for American Idol. And I'm like, ah, so embarrassing. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's the best when when you have an open mic like that or even when um, when a call is coming in and you're on radios and you're the one giving it out and you haven't read it completely. So oh, that is my kryptonite right there. Yeah, I, I, I that that hit me a few times. There was there was a fight. It was a group of girls who were fighting and I had not read it fully. And I was so flustered when I was going to say it because it was it was busy as hell. It was summertime. And I went to say a group of girls fighting. But what came out was a girl fight. And I I stopped and everyone looked at me and I said, yeah, that did just happen, didn't it? And I keyed back up and I said, a group of girls fighting at the movie theater and I unkeyed and an officer keyed up and he's laughing and he says, what kind of fight? And I said, you heard me. <laughs> it's like right. a, a group of girls fighting. And they said, 10-4 Central, we're headed out there. I think that I have I have a pretty good rapport with our officers in that they know that whatever comes out of my mouth, I've tried my hardest. I am a for having a theater background, I think because I was trained so much on like memorizing things mm -hmm. that it's, it's hard for me to just like read off the cuff sometimes. Like I can read a book out loud very fluidly and whatever, but like you said, sometimes I get tripped up when you have a busy night and you're going through all these tickets and you're looking at them and making sure that you have the right details of like, you're not having something pen that shouldn't be pending or, um, and, and things like that. It's like, you don't read all the details and <laughs> without a doubt, I'll put out a domestic or something and there'll be an update on it and I'll read the ticket and I'll send two units, which I send two units anyway, even if it's half gone, Right. but I'll tell them it's half gone and I'll be like, Oh, well, farther down in this ticket, it's, you know, like it's, it's an intra, it's a very funny thing because I get tripped up all the time with those things, obviously not weapons or anything like that, but just, um, little details or you'll get off the air and you're like, why did I say that ticket so long? Like, why did I read that word for word? Or, right. Yeah. When I've been here long enough to know I did not need to do that. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I had a, I had a buddy that I worked with. He was on radios and it was for a uh, verbal domestic only. And he puts this out and for whatever reason, it was, he just, he read it like Ron Burgundy read the go fuck yourself, San Diego. And, and he says, um, caller advised that, uh, his wife has been giving him shit. And then he unkeyed and we are staring at him and he's just looking like staring at the radio console. And one of the deputies keys up and he goes central. I, I, I didn't catch that. What is it that she's giving him? And, uh, he keys up and he goes, "Color advise his wife has given him shit," and then held the 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 mic open for a couple seconds. And then he goes, "You know what? It's been a long night." And he he unkeys and we just started laughing so hard. And it, it it's funny because nobody. I mean, you tell the stories and it's like 
it's that rapport with your officers, right? That makes it the funniest because yeah. I, I have keyed up. Like I've read a ticket and I've been like, I've had to stop myself and then I'll unclick. And I clicked, this happened a couple of weeks ago. I said, you know what guys, I'm trying so hard tonight. And then I was like, let me re let, let me start over. And so I just started over and they were like cracking up, but you know, they're the only ones that know, like if you're busy or if, I've been working nine, you know, nine days a row. We, I work 6 PM to 6 AM shifts. So, um, and like everybody else in the country, it seems we are understaffed as well. And so we've been working a lot and sometimes, man, it's just, it's just rough. I remember when I was first training on dispatch, which I think was the hardest and most, it was way more intimidating than phones. Mm -hmm. I will say that. Um, because you have like officers judging you the whole time. And, and, um, I said something like word for word, read the ticket. And I said something like, she said she was stuck like a pig. <laughs> and I got reamed. I uh, got reamed because it was a stabbing victim. And I put it out like that. Right. Yeah. And they, yeah, they oh, took it the wrong way. It, it wasn't, you know, and I, I think they thought that I did it purposely because I am a very like comical. I wish people sometimes could like videotape like the things that I do in the center because I just I I love to have fun. And I think that they thought that that was something that I thought was funny. And I'm like, no, I was just reading the ticket. I swear. Like, I did not think of it as like a funny thing at all. So that didn't get me too many points in the beginning but <laughs> way I to go <laughs> uh that's funny and you know I, there was the people that i worked with we had we always had fun and giving out certain calls um there was one deputy in particular uh who uh, he was a canine officer and we were good buddies and stuff and we used to hang out a lot but um there were calls like we would reference music and, and artists and or movies sometimes. And, um, you know, he, he was running someone with the last name of Crowley and, uh, and, and it was a male. And I said, uh, you advise uh, a Mr. Crowley. And he goes, that's affirmative central as an Aussie. And we would, we would laugh and stuff. And he, there was also one time where he was going out to a call and I didn't realize I had said it at first until, until I actually had unkeyed and he responded, but I said, "Color advice: She wants you to use the back door when you get there." And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he goes, "Central, it, you know, advisor that I'll make sure to use the back her back door." And uh, I said, "Ten four. <laughs> oh, and you and it it's funny, like little things like that you can that is only like a dispatcher humor, right? Like you kind of become like these you revert back to like when you're a 14 year old kid or like a 12 year old kid, like you have like right. potty humor, right? Because yeah. <laughs> like we had um, names, like names are a huge thing right now. We have like me and a couple girls that I work with. We, we have like nicknames from names that we've had. So um, one of the last names was like toot T O O T. Uh -huh. And he's like, I know the guy that said it, he's like, I know it's a silly last name. And like, I had to get off the phone and I was giggling 
because and it's not funny, but like for some reason you're like, I cannot believe this person's last name is Toot or Dickman or like one of these guys' name was Corn Stubble. <laughs> what? Corn Stubble. And so we have these like little inside jokes about things like that. Or, you know, when that song, um, that Megan Trainer song, All About That Bass. Yes. Now, like if we put out a loud music complaint and the the caller specifically says there's just a lot of bass, (laughs) I will put it out like this address is all about that bass. (laughs) That's a new one. That is excellent. See, I told you this was going to be a good episode. We try to sneak them in while still staying professional, because like I said earlier, I mean, we are we are a pretty dangerous city. Um, we actually just had two um, murders the other night um, in a span of like hours. And so we try to find the fun. And I think that my center and my uh, coworkers do a good job of knowing when to lock it up and, and when to when to have a little fun. Um, because, man, the last like couple years I've worked there and actually in the last year we've had a lot of calls that kind of um affected all of us a little more than any call taker or or dispatcher likes to let on i guess did that just go through what did you just hear that no okay you're creeping me out now Hold hold on just a minute. So the, uh, the laptop that I'm using, um, it had a Facebook account open apparently. So it went boom. It it was a notification that came through and I thought I had turned all that off and I didn't. (laughs) Not like that again. I thought you were going to say alien noises were happening. Um, you better run, get your child and run. <laughs> hear that? We're being tapped right now. <laughs> but oh shit, that's funny. I watch way too many things about Scientology. I watch way too many things about crime. I'm always on edge. That's well, and so that's so for those who are listening, that's one of the things is that, and I've said this many times, but I. I think that because I worked in 901 dispatch for so long, everyone is suspicious to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I, I don't like living like that because I'm already like an anxious person. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, and it's always been around, right? But like media is just in your face all the time. And I don't watch my local news. I don't, when I'm off, I don't ask what's going on in the city to any of my dispatchers. And it's not that I don't care, it's just that. Um, when I go out to a movie now, I'm suspicious of people that go to the movies and I, you shouldn't live like that. Right. But it's, it's a weird thing where I was on the train into the city, um, into Chicago one weekend and I am much more alert of my surroundings than I ever have been in my life. Because you don't know. You don't know. Because you think that nothing's ever going to happen to you. And every day, terrible things happen to these people that we take calls from. So. You know, it's, uh, but it's good to be aware like that. And a lot of people should be aware, not like, 
you know, hardcore paranoid aware, but, you know, aware enough because then that's one of the biggest things. When people call into 911, what is the thing that we ask? What's where's your location? What's your location? And if they more people were aware like that, they would make calls coming in and getting information a lot easier. That's what I've, I I did a speech at, I did a speech at a high school. Well, it was like an alternative school in my city um, about kind of how people, it was, it was, had nothing to do with my job and it ended up turning into sort of me doing a PSA because it was an alternative school and, and kids that were in, in kind of the wrong path in life. And and stuff like that. And I said, if, if you ever, God forbid, have to call 911 and you cannot say anything else on that line, at least say your address, at least say where you are. Mm-hmm. If you cannot say anything, say that. Because, and people don't get it. They think, you know, I think what's funny with cell phones and people getting rid of their landlines, which I tell everybody that I know, if you have a landline and you can afford to keep it, just keep it. Right. Just, but for people, they think that cell phones, they think that their address is attached to their cell phone. You know, you'll be like, where, where are you? And they'll yell at you and they'll yell at you. And you're like, ma'am, I cannot help you unless you give me your address. I need to know where you are. And they'll say things to us all the time. Like, you know where I am. And I'm like, no, I don't. I really don't. (laughs) You know, like. Exactly. So for for those who are listening, you're going to get a little, a quick uh, education piece here. So when you call on a cell phone and a lot of the times, because if they're still trying to perfect, uh, you know, triangulation and location accuracy with cell phones. So when you call in on a cell phone, if, if you're not calling from well, if you're calling in an area where the, the signal isn't that great anyway, you're going to get what's called a wireless phase one. And this is the the location that you get or the dispatchers get off of this from your cell phone when you're calling in is the address of that tower. And then there are so many meters from that tower that you could possibly be. So that's where it ends up pinpointing. Now, there is a function on uh, on phone systems uh, for the 911 phone system that for the dispatch center that you're calling into, it's called a rebid. And if they hit that rebid, it tries to look for a better location. And when it does it, a lot of the times it will hit what's called a wireless phase two. And then that one pinpoints a little bit better of where you're at, but it's not exact. It doesn't exactly yeah. show where you're at. You could be in front of Target and it'll be a mile or two west of Target or something you know, to that effect. But I mean, there, there are companies that are, are working on things to make it um, so that they can get the location off of your actual GPS of your phone. But then again, you know, people are always thinking, well, how come Uber can just find me? How come Pizza Hut can just find me and they can deliver something right there? Well, that that is a commercial network and it's an, like an open network. They can do that. With law enforcement, it's all private stuff. And there's way more that goes into it because the original architecture and technology was built 20 years ago. And 911 is trying to catch up to that. And the other thing about it, too, is that if you're texting to 911, the location accuracy is even worse. And And we don't have that yet. Yeah. and, And not a lot of places do. And people wonder why. And it's because of money. I mean, yeah, the dispatch center has got to find a way to be able to pay for that technology. 
and uh, and to be able to put it to use. The FCC mandated that the main four cell phone companies were supposed to make text and I one available, and they have. They did, and but it's still up to the dispatch centers to be able to to pay for something like that. So, you know, the, the state of Indiana, where I'm out of, um, there's a statewide deployment of text nine one one or text four nine one one as we call it over here, and then you know it's spotty everywhere else. So it's it's pretty crazy, but that's that's how it works. Um, you know, in a nutshell, when you call on your cell phone, a dispatch is not just going to know where you're at. So always, always be aware of your surroundings. And if you're at someone's home and you don't know their address to say you're a babysitter and something's going on there and you don't know the address, look for a piece of mail. Go outside and look at the address. I I have a perfect example of why um, phase two is, is can be helpful, but not accurate. Um, I had a mail on the phone. This was a couple years ago. I had a male on the phone and thankfully had to keep him on the phone. I kept phase twoing him. So for listeners, like I kept clicking this specific button (laughs) that kind of um, keeps their location accurate, but not that accurate. And you can explain it better than you did explain it better than I would ever. Um, But we can either do that where it's set up where it does it every few seconds, or you can just do it manually. Mm -hmm. I had this male on the line and he sounded incoherent and he could not tell me where he was. Um, he honestly, he made it sound like he was in a like armed robbery situation, but they took him somewhere and hit him somewhere. That's how he made it sound to me. And he had no idea where he was. It sounded like he was drugged. Um, and these are again, things that the longer you're on the phone, or the longer that you're at a center, you learn what to look out for, what to um, kind of conclude on some things, even though I never, ever conclude on anything. And I never, um, I never assume the person's story is right or wrong. I just put what they tell me. Right. So yeah. this man, um, he just couldn't tell me where he was. And I kept asking, you know, like those are when you have to use your common sense. That's when you have to use like your creative part of your brain. And like, if I was in this situation, what would I want a call taker to ask me or what would I think of to tell them? And some people don't, can't do that. He was, he was on something, he was drugged or, or drunk or, or what have you. And Um, I kept saying, what do you see around you? Do you see concrete or do you see bushes? Do you see grass or do you see? And he said, I'm in a chair. I'm in this chair. And so, you know, I keep face toing him. I keep doing it. Officers are on the, they're in route there because I put it in as, you know, a possible like armed robbery Mm -hmm. from what this man told me. And I get a location of like this apartment building which if as any call taker, that's so disheartening in a way, because yes, you're getting a phase two on a location and you got that to happen, but now you have it in an apartment building. And this specific area had like apartment buildings just stacked on each other. So eight unit apartments just right next to each other all down the road. Jeez. So um, it ended up, I was on the phone with him. I stayed on the phone with him. And sure enough, somehow 
<laughs> by the grace of God, and I've said like God twice, I'm not a very religious person, but by the grace of God, <laughs> like this man was found in a basement of this apartment building all by himself. But what the officers ended up telling us was that it was unfounded and he was just drunk and <laughs> walked into the wrong basement. Oh man. Well, you know, that that's good, but you you can't you can't always assume like you were saying you can't you can't assume you know the person's right or wrong or whatever about their story you got to be you got to you got to do it like like call takers put a lot of their energy in calls that don't end up being anything and i think that they don't understand the emotion i've listened to a few of your episodes and you talked a lot about how um or you talked some about how um it can be, it's exhausting just from that sort of thing. When you have a legitimate call or you think you have a legitimate call and you don't want these legitimate calls to happen. Um, an example of this, if you don't mind me going on another call, um, I had a, a young kid call me and he I said, 911, where is your emergency? He told me his address. And I said, okay, what's going on there? And he said, my mom killed herself. And I said, okay. And he, he sounded pretty calm. Um, I asked for his name. Uh, I asked for his age. He said he was like 12. Um, and I said, okay, bud, um, where, where is your mother? And he said, well, I'm standing right next to her. And I said, okay, can you tell if she's breathing for me? And he said, no, she's not breathing. And he was on one of those like uh, 911 phones mm -hmm. that you cannot call back. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was so imperative for me to keep him on the line because of that. Obviously, I can't call this kid back. Right. And I kept him on the phone and, and he even said, he's like, well, my phone's going to, I think it's going to die soon. And I said, no, you have to stay on the phone with me. You're doing so well. I said, um, what, are there any weapons around your mom? This kid, I mean, he did so well. He said, he was like, I don't think so. And then he's like, oh no, there's, there's a knife under her. I said, okay, I do not want you to touch that. I don't want you to touch this knife, please. I said, do you have any other siblings in the home? He didn't want to do CPR. He told me he already tried. Um, so he refused doing, or, well, we do mostly chest compressions. Right, yeah. Um, so he he refused to do CCC. Um, I said, he said his little sister or something was with his dad. So there was nobody else in the home. Obviously, we had officers going there right away. I was keeping him on the phone um, and lost him. Uh, I got very emotional after that call because my gut reaction was, you know, here's a kid that just found his mother dead. Mm -hmm. um, or because he was so calm, I thought, what if this kid did it to his mother? Right, exactly. And so I got quite emotional and, and by quite emotional, all call takers know it's like you well up. And then you kind of get into that gear again where you have to answer another call. Um, but I did take a moment for that call. The kicker of this one was that officers got on scene. I had to leave at midnight. And this was right before I had to leave. 
And so I kind of hung around. I, I wanted to know what happened. Um, and obviously we had um, fire dispatch to it. And they end up going to the house. They talk to this woman. The woman says, no, nobody called 911 here. Well, sure enough, we look up the call history for that phone number. And two weeks prior to that, this kid had called in an unfounded home invasion where he was hiding in a closet, did the same thing. He stayed on the line with the call taker. Um, and so the officers had gone available from there at 10-8. They went 10-8 and um, we told them to go back. We said, no, there's a kid in there. You have to find that phone. And so sure enough, they go back and they say, do you have a child here? And she said, yeah, he's in his room. And they found the phone under his bed. And that was the mom he said that killed herself. Oh, shit. So mad. I was so mad at this kid because A, I wasted emotions on his prank call. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, what kind of child does that, right? So I was just so, I'm so glad it wasn't true. But you have this other thing of like, I wasted a, like moments of emotion on you and you were just messing around with me. Right. Oh, just, man. You know, you felt you feel so cheated. You're like, this kid got me and this is my job. And I did it. I did my job. But. Oh, it was infuriating. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so, OK, so I've got I got two things on that. So for those who are listening with that call, especially with the fact that it turned out that it ended up being a prank type call, um, the cell phones, if you have a phone that has no service on it, but it still works, you can call 911 on it. And when it comes into dispatch. It has a 911 prefix on there. And what these cell phones are called are non-service initialized cell phones or NSI calls. And they they still go through. They will still go through. So a lot of the times, if you're letting your kid play with an old cell phone and the battery is in it and it still works, that's how they're calling 911. That's how it's going through still because there is still service. Now, on the other hand, if you have a phone like that, and you're trying to text to 911, it's not going to work because you need a data plan to be able to do that. So you can call 911 with that cell phone that has no service, but you can't text. So if you're letting your kids play with a phone, make sure to take the damn battery out of it because then stuff like this won't happen, uh, or at least with a with a phone like that. Now, on the on the other side of that, if you see what we started doing is we were taking these numbers down. And uh, uh, the, the the 901 prefix and then whatever the rest of the you know numbers were, and we were putting them into uh, our in-house or our files to be able to to keep track of uh, of call history. And some of those actually worked where they had that phone and the people were actually still living there, and uh, we were able to find kids because there I took a couple calls where kids were calling in and uh, saying I got a gun and I just shot uh, my sister, I just shot my dad, and I would. I, you know, go through the whole thing, start asking for their address and all the stuff. And then they would say, you're never going to find me. Ha 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 ha. And then hang up and then call back again. And they'd be calling and calling and calling. And one of those kids, we actually found that kid. And I remember I was so frustrated 
that I finally said to that kid, I'm going to find you. I said, we're going to find you and uh, you're going to get in trouble because you you shouldn't be calling like this. And uh, it had already been, uh, I'd already figured out that this kid was just messing around because he'd said something to that effect first. And then he was saying, you're never going to find me. I'm just messing around. I've got this phone. And so he was straight up pranking. He didn't care. He told me straight up what he was doing. And, uh, but in the beginning, of course, you know, I was treating it like an actual call and trying to find him. I was, uh, trying to figure out if that phone was associated to a specific carrier, a cell phone uh, provider so that I could see if they could ping that phone or maybe they had some information. So I'm, I'm in the same way that you were doing, wasting all of this energy, trying to find this person. Moments, you know, like people don't understand you. We have to waste some of our time answering actual life and death emergencies when we're busy. Right. Exactly. Having to trace numbers or having to, and you know, we have enough call takers in our center. We have minimum staff. We have like three call takers on and three dispatchers. Um, on a good night, you know, when we're fully staffed, we have five dispatcher or five um, call takers, and and but so that we do help each other. It's not that we don't help each other, but there are periods of our night and our days that. It's one after another. And you. the other night, it was like a summer night. It was so bizarre. It was like that phone would not stop ringing off the hook. <laughs> oh, I man, it, that, that takes me back. But this kid, we ended up finding him. The officer goes out there to the house and he pulls up and he goes, Central, I'm on scene. He goes, I, I see a, a kid staring out the, the front window. Ah. And uh, he just ran away and he, he had, he had the kid call my partner and I on 911 and he apologized and stuff. And I, I said, good for those cops. Yeah. They, the, you could hear the, the mom in the background going off on that little kid. And then what? I, and then I kind of felt a little bad. And I, I, I said, just don't play on the phone on 911. I said, I'm glad we found you and that nothing happened. Cause I was, I was glad, even though, Afterwards, I was like, damn it, that I, I you know, can't believe all of that. But I also felt good because I kept doing my job, what I was there for. And I was going to find that kid no matter oh. what, if he was messing around or it was something real. Right. And what you say about the mother, it's funny because that officer that handled my call, um, he's uh, he's around my age and I actually know a few of the cops just through like I went to high school with his wife and so I ended up getting a hold of him and I said what happened like did he even get they booked him I mean they arrested him but he didn't have enough points to be booked in juvenile detention oh gotcha but then I said you know man, let me know. I I joked around, like, let me know his address. I'm going to go. And he's like, I'm pretty sure his mom took care of that. And I was like, well, good. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine? I I have a five-year-old child. Like Mm -hmm. I can't imagine my son ever doing that. Uh, well, half of the things that happen, I can't imagine anybody ever going through, but (laughs) (laughs) right. But if, but if something did happen, I mean, you know, you would make sure to, you know, the discipline and such, because you know, that's what should happen. But, it is a 22 with those, the phones that have the battery, but don't work, but you can still call. Isn't that great? Like, right. It should be great that you have this tool, like in an event that you have this, this cell phone in your car that you don't use anymore. 
and God forbid you need to call 911, you can use it. Right. But, but I don't think people realize that like half of our calls are hangups from them. Yeah, exactly. And that, yeah, that's, you said it right there. A lot of people don't know that, that, and I've always said too, that, um, the majority of the 911 calls that come in to the center are non-emergency. Oh, and, yes. and, you know, just getting my hair cut and talking to the person who's cutting my hair and saying that, you know, she, they've always said, are you serious? Really? People don't call just for emergencies. Like, no, that's the, no, they call for fireworks and parade times and, you know, other little things like that. It's my favorite thing telling people like what people call in for 911. And my favorite, like saying in the beginning of a nine, you're like nine one one. Where's your emergency? And they're like, well, this isn't really an emergency. I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, and and I would say to him too, or to you know anybody who would call. And if I was if I was busy, if I was on a medical and it was so busy that I had to put that that line on hold, I would answer the next nine one one call coming in. Elegant nine one one. Do you have an emergency? And uh, they would say yes or no. Or sometimes someone would say, well, yeah, why would I be calling 911 if it wasn't an emergency? And I'd say, okay, what, tell me what your emergency is. What's the address? And they say, well, and I would pause for a minute and they would say, you know, actually it's not really an emergency. Or they would say, I just, I just need the phone number to the power company because I, you know, the power went out or whatever. And I'd say, it's not an, this is not an emergency. I said, you gotta, you gotta stand by for just a moment, please. I will be right back with you. I am on a medical with another person and they would say, Oh no, no. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead and, and do that. That's more important than what I have. So I found out that if I told them uh, not exactly what was going on, but you know, in general, what I was taking on the other line, they would be, they'd be all right with it and they would wait as long as they had to. And, and that was always good. Well, right. And you know, there are a lot of the time we just give them the non-emergency. We say it and we make them call it and we don't transfer them. At, you know what I mean? Like we just give it to them. It mm -hmm. just depends what it is. And, and the other thing that goes hand in hand with that is people that call in for like pending their call, like their wait time. They'll uh, call nine one yeah. just to see why an officer isn't there. And you know, those are things that I, I don't think people realize either when they're just like, uh, regular civilians, I shouldn't say that, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like when they're just people that don't have any accidents in our town, there are people that can wait up to two hours. Right. And I don't think that I, I had somebody talking to me, they knew I was working and they're like, well, I had this accident. The other, I was in this accident the other day and I had to wait a half hour. And I was like, really? And I, I just laid it out for them. And they're like, no way. I'm like, yes, there are people like, this is a busy city. We don't, I, a lot of the time, you know, like I know that Chicago, they don't even take accidents. They won't go to them. They won't. And we, we go on what is called a citywide accident plan sometimes where we just tell if there's no injury, their cars are drivable. They have to exchange information and go to the front desk. Right. Yep. And some agencies just do that. You know, they just do that. But you have people that and we have hot calls or quote unquote hot calls that pend and we're the buffer, you know, like they'll call 911 and they'll say, I don't know why an officer hasn't gotten here. 
and you'll ask, well, has anything changed? Did this person come back? They're like, no, I just, they're not here. And, and you're like, why are you calling 911 for an ETA? Right. Well, I mean, yeah, because they figured they're going to get right through and they're going to get an answer a lot faster. And I had a couple of times where I would tell people, you know what? I said that the reason the officer hasn't gotten out there yet is because just after your call, we dealt with a shooting and they're out there doing that. And they would again say, oh, I, I'm OK. I will wait. Uh, I'm I'm really sorry. I'm like, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, to be mean or anything. I'm just letting you know exactly why they haven't gotten out there. They're, they're going to get to you as fast as they can. But, you know, this is a higher priority. So they got to get out there to that. And, tr- and that would be cool. Is what we were ta- we talked about, like saying it's a higher priority. That is a we we just had like a a discussion about saying that in our center because we had people that were then questioning, like, well, they were basically using it against us. They mm-hmm. were saying, like, they're you know, how dare you say mine isn't a higher priority? And so now we have to say we strictly have to say, you know, like a major incident happened. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, major incident is good as well. It's more PC. <laughs> happen and we have to um we will send you an officer when we have an officer available but that's all i can you know tell you (laughs) and it stinks because then in those major incidences say a homicide or something like that you get the family calling and as a call taker you can't even tell them anything you can't tell them anything and they're just reeling from hearing a rumor and you may know the name of the victim, and yet you can't tell that victim's mother what hospital they're going to. Yeah, I, man, <laughs> gosh, you're taking me back now. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was something as well. And it, it's, it's hard to have that information and not be able to give that to them right then and there on the phone because, you know, you've, there's all this, you know, yep. the, the HIPAA stuff. So you have to have them go direct with the sergeant or something and, and have them do it. But it would kill me inside that I couldn't say it, but I, you know, I knew there was a reason for it. Right. Um, But they, they don't care, you know, they don't care about that reason, which I wouldn't either. If, if something, you know, if something happened to one of my family members and I didn't work where I work, so I would be told, but like, if I didn't work where I work, I'd want to know too. And, and, and so there's so many like, microcosms to our job that people will never think about that kind of take a lot out of you because you're always trying to think of how not how to be PC or how to not give information away or what can you and can you not say I had um, a lady call and she wanted advice about her abusive relationship and this was earlier on in, in my short career now but um, I said something like, well, ma'am, it sounds like you need to think about an order of protection or possibly a divorce. And I didn't say it rude. She right. wanted, she wanted that advice. Right. But I got in trouble for giving her that because got, you know, like, because in an, in an event that a lawyer subpoena, you know, she says, well, this call taker told me I should do this that lawyer subpoenas that call and then I could be charged for her, her law bill, you know, like her, her court bills. Right. Because suggested that she got a divorce. (laughs) Jeez. 
I got in trouble for saying that, which at the time I was like, that is ridiculous. Like, why am I getting in trouble when so-and-so over here has said this, that, or the other thing to a person, but let's bring it back. I'm loud. <laughs> well, and so there's a lot of liability as well in this job that a lot of people don't know about. And and one of the things that I didn't really think about myself until one of my coworkers and my, my new, uh, my job that I have now was telling me about, cause she was a, a former director, uh, for a dispatch center in Indiana. And she said, you know, a lot of really quick for your medicals or no, you guys don't do, you don't do the medicals, but, um, so in a lot of dispatch centers, they have a, a medical certification called EMD or emergency we, medical we, dispatch. EMD. Oh, okay. So, um, I just don't dispatch them. Gotcha. Okay. So one of the things is if you transfer a phone line over, say it's somebody who needs CPR and you have to transfer them over because they have the wrong, um, the wrong agency, right? Jurisdiction. And, you know, you started this, but you send it over. And if you stay in the line and you're listening to this going on and the dispatcher who's on the other line doing CPR does it wrong and you don't jump in, you can get in trouble for that as well. So make sure you hang up the phone <laughs> right away. As soon as you know, they have the call, hang Who it up. They're listening. Hang up when you're transferring. Right. <laughs> it uh, is sad though that, that, I mean, that's a lot of how we are trained as well as we have a whole course with a lawyer and with a doctor on EMD and APCO or what have you on, on, on the liability portion of it. And it is, just pounded into our head, even now. Um, and it's an ongoing thing, right? I mean, that's the beauty of our job is it's always learning. There's always something different. I don't think that I would like it if I, because um, we've talked a little bit about like my fitness and whatever. And I don't think that I would like it if it wasn't so like mental, mentally, um, just wonderful. Like you're always learning and stimulating. That's the word I was trying to find. It's <laughs> mentally stimulating all the time. I never, there's never a night that I ever dread going into work because I know that I have like great people that are supporting me. And, and I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm proud of this job. And every day you're learning how to how to manage calls better and how to dispatch better. There's never a point where I don't think there's ever a point in your career where you should say like, I'm the best or I've got this down because I think there's always, there's always learning curves with this job. There's yeah. always a faster, more, you know, better way to do something and what's better. And also what's better for me is not better for another person. I don't know how many calls, that I've taken where I have a very uncooperative caller and I've tried every single way. Like in the four years I've been there, I've tried every single different way to get control of callers because mm -hmm. sometimes to be quiet is better. And sometimes to be, you know, get that shock value of like, you know, like saying ma'am very loud or saying sir very loud or um, sometimes raising your voice works and sometimes just letting them vent works. And so far as like learning, you know, like always learning how to handle people and what you can and can not get away with saying 
you know, I'm sure you had in your career, you had people that you knew um, were frequent flyers. You know, I don't care for my speaking voice. I think it sounds slightly denasally like I'm sick. Um, (laughs) I'm sick right now, everybody. Um, But, you know, we have frequent flyers and it's funny with the things that we sometimes stay on the phone with them or sometimes not because really they just want to talk to somebody. Right. Yeah. Through trial and error, you, you figure out how to speak to certain people and, or even just in their tone of voice, you figure it out. I've always said that uh, I've, I'm uh, a master of the silver tongue. <laughs> I'm able to get through with just through talking and uh, you know, just kind of finding what, what pushes their, not so much pushes their buttons because that doesn't sound right, but what makes them tick, I guess, while on the phone with them, you can, if just listening to them, you can tell right away, uh, and certain things and, and you can go from there. And, but there are some times where you get those callers that are just completely throw you for a loop and then it's back to the drawing board and you're trying to figure out, uh, like you were saying, either kind of raise your voice a little bit, be a little more stern, or a lot of the times when people would call in and they would just be just going off and going off or, or they're hysterical, I would bring my voice down to a whisper, kind of tricking them. Because right. when if I'm saying, sir, 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 can you hear me? Can you hear me? It, my voice is now just, it's just fluff in, in the background of their ranting. And, and they hear that. And as long as they hear that, they know that somebody is there. They're not really paying attention, right. but they hear that. So I bring it down to a whisper and then it tricks them kind of, and they're thinking, well, is anybody even there? And then they stop and they'll say, hello, is some, are, are you still there? And then I jump right in and, and, and take over from there. So it, yeah, it, it's a lot of trial and error and just trying to figure out how to talk to people. Now right. going into the wrap up of this episode, um, with everything that we've been talking about here and and your four years into dispatch what are some of the things that you want not only dispatchers but how about the callers the callers to know when they call in what is the information that you want first oh where are you for sure and i said it earlier if you cannot say anything if you're in a situation where you have to whisper, you feel like you have to whisper, at least whisper your address or location. You can hang up. We hope you don't, but you know, like if you're ever in a situation where you cannot say anything, at least say your location, yell it clearly or whisper it, or we will try our hardest to find you, but we need that. That is, that's the most important. It's imperative us to do our job at all (laughs) (laughs) excellent well thank you very very much for being on this episode again it's it was a a long time coming there and going back and forth and back and forth but i think you and i are going to be doing uh, another episode for sure we're we're almost into like an hour and a half of this podcast and there's so much information a lot of educational pieces as well in there on, on the cell phones, location accuracy, which is, hey, that's always good for the public to learn. But thank you very much for being on this episode. And I'm sorry for the listeners that had to listen to this voice. Oh, come on. You sound fine. I just get it. <laughs> well, for those who are listening, if you have any comments, questions, or you want to be a guest on the show, you can email 
and that's going to be wttpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, and that's going to be at 911podcast. You can like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash within the trenches podcast. And this episode, as always, is supported by In Digital, a leader next gen core service, as well as the entire podcast. And again, make sure that if you're going out to National Nina, to uh, check us out at our booth it'll be the digital booth and i will be set up there and i will be uh giving out a few things i'll also be recording some episodes and you know make sure to stop by you know tell your story it's going to be a good time and um this episode along with all the others can be heard 24 7 on itunes stitcher radio google play music soundcloud iHeartRadio, and the jabberlog.com have a good one everybody you just listened to a code 7 network podcast if you have any questions or would like to be a guest on the show send an email to wttpodcast at gmail.com